happy Friday, theater lovers, and happy Easter. This week's guest is Lee Baisley, fresh from the run of Fox on the Fairway at the Imperial. We talk about his penchant for purchasing instruments he can't play, how Ruth bullied him into getting involved in the theater, and his awkward one-on-one audition for Beauty and the Beast. Lee is a self-proclaimed nervous dude, but to me, he was just super chill to chat with. On with the show. Okay. Welcome, Lee Baisley, to Sarnia Famous. Happy to have you here. Um, I'm especially excited to have you because... Are you guys done your run for Fox on the yeah. Fairway? But like, yeah, our last show was just, on Sunday. Yeah, so just just fresh. So you're kind of still riding that high, I would assume. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> How did that all go? It went really well. Um, like right from the start to the finish. It was just great to be back in the theater and great to be on the stage. And the crowds each night, you know, like for that type of play, we had really good crowds and, you know, we we could hear the laughter and people were enjoying it. And so we hit all our spots and everything sounded, you know, the reaction we got and the feelings we were feeling and stuff on stage, everything sounded and felt, I think the way it should. Mm-hmm. But I think just being there after two years, I think we could have just sat on stage throwing that vase around for two hours and we all would have been, felt great just being there. Yeah. Audience included. We all would have been like, yeah, throw that vase. <laughs> <laughs> you guys had excellent chemistry though. Um, especially considering, you had to take that break in between. And so maybe the momentum wasn't quite the same, mm-hmm. uh, but you guys all seemed to work well with each other. And like I say, the chemistry was there. Was that something that you had to pick up again or did it all f- fall back into place? Honestly, I think it all just fell back into place. Like it was so weird having that break and, you know, like everything had just gone crazy for two years. Right. Yeah. And we were, I think we were about a week out or two weeks out from our opening night when we got shut down and, you know, to some degree, I think that just broke all of us, especially when, like, at first it was postponed and then yes. until this time. And yes. then it was postponed until this time. And then we got the official word that it had been canceled. And I think even that was, like, you know, just another nail in the coffin. And then when we heard we were coming back, it was like, is this actually going to happen again? It was like, oh, my God. And, yeah, most people were still in. We did, unfortunately, we lost Trevor Morris. And his big was amazing, you know, working with him again. Like, I've... He was on my first two shows that I was in, too. Like he was in Beauty and the Beast, and he directed Evil Dead. So I had been, every show had him involved in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but his work schedule, you know, unfortunately, wouldn't allow him to come back and be with us again. Uh, so Craig Matthews stepped in, and he just knocked it out of the park, right? Like, it was, I was wondering, you know, is he going to be able to bring that character to that same level that Trevor did? And he did in a very different way than Trevor did, of mm-hmm. course, but he did, and it was amazing. Yeah, I can't imagine the emotional roller coaster of all of that because it is so exciting when you get to that week before and you're about to go in. Like, there's, it's the energy is it's so tangible. And then I get, I think for me, I would be walking out on the stage and still be in some kind of disbelief, like that someone would pull the rug out from under me moments before, like, okay, tiptoe onto the stage just in case. I definitely wasn't let myself get too excited. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, And interesting to hear, I didn't realize that there was a a main cast change between now and then. Mm. That just shows how observant I am. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that must have been difficult for everybody. Kind of, you know, you had that momentum built with someone else. And then 
kind of a tough spot for someone to step into, especially a smaller cast, I would think, because you guys would have mm -hmm. bonded. Yeah, I, this being my first show, like, to that degree, it's my first play where, you know, I actually had a role, like a significant role. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was crazy. And yeah, everything was, we were all rolling along so well. And then, yeah, Craig's, like I said, I was, wasn't sure how it was going to go, but he stepped in. He just, he did amazing. And we walked back into that rehearsal studio after that two years for the first time. Like we had tried a couple of times doing, you know, like Google meets rehearsals and, you know, it was fun and everything. It was just, it's not the same that we stepped foot in that rehearsal studio for the first time together as a group. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was just, you get all the feels when you have, like it was very emotional it was like very exciting it was amazing to be back so you just said this was your first big role which i'm mm -hmm. surprised by that because to me you seem very comfortable on the stage and you have very natural comedic timing and so so tell me all about your your experience then and and what led you to to being in this show and taking that role of course, you know, anyone that's involved in theater, Sarnia knows the Frank Hoers, right? So <laughs> I like to joke around that uh, I was bullied into theater <laughs> by, <laughs> by Ruth. Um, yes. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> so back in 2016, I think I had just started following the theater, Sarnia, like the internal Facebook page. And, you know, oh, this is where you see where there's auditions and everything. I saw, hey, auditions for Beauty and the Beast. Theater was not something I ever thought I would actually do. It was one of those things that you think you want to do and it'd be really cool to do, but you won't ever actually do it. And then I see audition for Beauty and the Beast. And like, well, that's my wife's favorite Disney movie. And we're like a very much kind of a Disney household, among other things. So I'm like, okay, you know what? What the, why not? I'm going to give it a try. So I just looked up the songs and I'm trying to learn the songs and I had about eight days to prepare, and me being the perfectionist that I am and the procrastinator that I am, I'm just like, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to properly prepare for this, so I'm not going to. I'll, I'll catch the next one. But a month later, I'm at work, and, uh, and I didn't know Ruth at this time. She comes into my work, and part of my job was making profiles and filling in a database. So I take all of her information, and Ruth's email address is something like crazymusiclady at hotmail.com. Somehow that just sparked a conversation. It came up about how she was in Beauty and the Beast, or going to become in Beauty and the Beast, and I just happened to mention, like, oh, yeah, I was thinking about auditioning for that. And she's like, oh, well, why didn't you? Long story short, after about a 10-minute conversation with her, she has my phone number that she's going to pass along to Frank Brennan, the musical director. She says, what time are you done work? I'm like, 5 o'clock, 5.15, my phone is ringing, and it's Frank Brennan. <laughs> And he's like, oh, so Ruth told me you're interested in the show. And I was just kind of like, I guess so. Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, and he's like, well, we are have we had our first rehearsal last night. We got another one tomorrow night. Why don't you come on out? The rehearsal starts 6.30. Come on into Studio A at 6 o'clock. And we'll just run over a couple of things. I'm like, I'm scared, right? Like, I'm just, yeah. is this actually a thing? Am I actually intending to do this? Or am I just being like, yeah, I'll see you there. And just, <laughs> just won't show up, yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, okay, sounds great. Oh, by the way, what is Studio A? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he has to give me directions there because I have no idea. So I show up at 6 o'clock at Studio A, and I go up, and there's Frank, who just ha Frank Brennan, who happened to be my high school music teacher for four years. And there he is after 20 years. And it's like, oh, my God. And he's like, okay, well, let's, uh, he runs me through a couple of vocal exercise, vocal warm. Like, okay, well, what do you want to sing? I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, I'm, just, I'm so nervous, and I don't yeah. get nervous usually. This was like a job interview times 10 for me because I'd never done one of these before. And he's like, okay, okay, great. So just 
sing O Canada. Can you sing O Canada? I'm like, yeah, sounds great. Let's sing O Canada. He starts playing it on the piano. I blanked on the lyrics to O Canada. <laughs> I had to pull my phone out of my pocket and Google the lyrics to O Canada. And it wasn't even a momentarily thing. Like, he starts playing again. I'm literally having to read the lyrics yeah, so to O Canada weird. off my phone and sang it. I mean, I guess I sang it well and everything, but it was still just not yeah. So then people start showing up for the rehearsal. And, okay, so do you want me to you'll call me? Or he's like, oh, no, stick around. So I stick around for a three-hour rehearsal, and at the end, I'm still not sure what's going on. <laughs> and everybody starts to leave, so I just go back up to Frank, and I was like, okay. Uh, and he's like, well, are, he's like, are you in or what? And I'm like, yeah, if you'll have me, sure. And boom, I, all of a sudden, I'm in Beauty and the Beast. And the funniest part of that is if Ruth's email address was ruth.frankhoor at gmail.com, none of this would have ever happened. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know. I, I think that Ruth, she could, it's like she can smell it on people. and <laughs> she, she probably would have figured out a way to, to get you involved anyway. But yeah, it is, it is kind of a crazy little email address. That's a great, great story. I can't imagine how terrified you must have been. Like, don't even have, yeah, in O Canada, you think you've probably been singing that your whole life. So it should almost come out like muscle memory, right? You shouldn't even have to think about it. But when you're under that distress, <laughs> oh my goodness. So then, uh, so what kind of, how were you involved in, in Beauty and the Beast then? Was it like an ensemble? Role? Oh, yeah, I was in the ensemble. You know, I was like a townsperson. I was part of the mob. I was, you know, a knife. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was given one line to say on my own that I still remember, you know, with spooky yellow eyes. That was that's You'll the only thing I said that. in the whole never, never forget, forget it. That line. That's fantastic. Um, so you had lots of costume changes and stuff? I did, yeah. Uh I think I must have had about four or five different ones. Then there was even a quick change and I was like there's that was a cast. I think if it was about forty five people in that, including a bunch of young kids and trying to do like quick costume changes, run up and down those stairs. It just you know, it was craziness, but everything went really, really well with that show. It was received really well. I think we did 10 or 11 shows in that run like even as the run began they added more shows on because of the demand for tickets and the response that we were getting from it so they added on another matinee and i think another evening show kind of thing so it was for my first one it was it was kind of a big deal and it was scary and it was amazing all at the same time yeah that's a heck of a way to get initiated into it so you hadn't done theater or anything previous to that no never did like high school or you know nothing like that like my only experience on stage is in karaoke bars <laughs> okay but okay so you said music in high school with frank brennan um what was that for just music class you know just it was in the orchestra class oh, okay so you you're i see a, a drum set behind you so where was that like in school were you playing instruments oh no no i just have a problem with buying instruments and oh um, I, I got drums just because I always kind of wanted to play. So now these are still pretty new and I'm just been messing around on them and everything. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, I definitely have a problem. Like I own 13 guitars. I think I can only just kind of play the guitar and I own 13 of them. So for somebody with my skill level, there's no way I should own as many as I do. Just like an addiction problem. That's it, super funny. Kinda, yeah. Hold on one second. <coughs> Sorry. It's not the Rona. I just drank my tea funny. Ah, anyway, super professional over here, as you can as you can see. 
Well, that's wild. I don't know any different. I don't know. I've never done anything like this. I mean, I'm surprised even, you know, that you invited me to be a part of this. I mean, you're, there's a podcast called Sarnia Famous, and I'm not even Sarnia Noteworthy. I beg to differ. I mean, you just had a run of a very popular show, and mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the beautiful thing about Sarnia Famous, too, is that everybody that's involved in the theater, because it's such a tight-knit group, everybody is Sarnia Famous, right? Like, it's, um, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it is also it's a nod to the community in general. So don't, don't, don't sell yourself short, especially like I said, just finished a run of a, a very good show. And as I said before too, very natural on the stage. You seem like a pretty chill dude, even just talking to you right now. Like what would that look like for you to be nervous? Would you just be kind of the same as you are right now? But probably, yeah. Okay. Um, just, you know, maybe less quiet and more struggling to find words and <laughs> I, can you bottle that? Because, like, I sweat profusely, and I can't string a sentence together. I think I fidget a lot when I'm nervous, so that is definitely a, a wonderful thing to have. I think I'm just nervous all, like, you know, like, bad nervous, you know, not too often, but, like, just regular nervous almost all the time. Like, I get nervous around people, and, you know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm a very introverted but outgoing person where like I just I don't people very well (laughs) (laughs) that's something interesting the more I do this show too that it it, theater people are often like almost equal parts extrovert and introvert like really enjoy their their time to themselves but then also love being involved in the theater so it's kind of like how does this not compute (laughs) So you'd mentioned that you guys are a, a Disney household. Was was your wife involved in the theater as as well? She is now, but more behind. Like she's on the uh, theater Sarnia community engagement uh, committee. So uh, yeah, she doesn't really do stuff specifically with the shows, but she's on that committee that kind of. I think uh, what they do is try to figure out ways, I guess, to get the community more engaged and get the word out there, maybe more to the community that doesn't know too much about what theater starting is offering, you know, people, you know, there's probably a lot of people in this town that just don't really pay attention too closely to what's going on in town and don't know that there's some pretty good shows going on down at the theater, you know, every couple of months when the world's not upside not down. Crazy. Yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> there has to be people that get those bums in the seats for sure. So that's lovely, too, that you guys can share it without necessarily doing the same thing. So you can talk to each other about the different ways that you're involved in. You can share that theater piece, but have your own little separate pieces of it. I think that's lovely. So then where I was going with the Disney thing is uh, I'm a bit of a dork. And I'd love to know what your favorite Disney movie is. Oh, geez. Um, I probably have to go with Aladdin. I think I've always, like... It's it's really, I mean, obviously very hard to pick just one, but I mean, like, Aladdin's that one with me that's kind of always stuck. I can watch it any time. You know, there's so many more great new ones now that, you know, as far as maybe even storytelling and the technology and the graphics and everything kind of far surpass that. But for me, it's still all about Aladdin and the, the music in Aladdin. I mean, a whole new world, you know, friend like me, there's nothing beating that. So <laughs> Robin Williams. Oh, yes. Yes. There's so much comfort in, in your favorite Disney movie, I, I find. Anyway, I'd like I'm the same way. Um, Jungle Book is my favorite, and I could watch it 
day and night, all day, if, if need be, <laughs> especially if I'm feeling blue or something like that. It's like the only thing that can really cheer me up. Um, so I remember you mentioning that you have a young son. Uh, yeah. how, how old is he? Just turned six about three weeks ago. Ah, so very much in that creative stage. So do you guys watch a lot of Disney at home? We do, actually, yeah. We kind of just have movie nights, you know, usually every weekend, either Friday or Saturday, we'll have a movie night, and I'd say probably about 50% of the time it's going to be a Disney movie. Um, we're st- we've been trying to fight to find time to sit down and watch that new one, The Turning Red. I haven't had a chance to see that one yet, but that one's definitely the next one on the list, and now that the run of the show is over and I'm not gone as much as I am, it'll probably be a little bit easier, but, I mean, he loves Big Hero 6. He really enjoyed... I mean, even he like you know the Lion King and Aladdin. When we show him the old school ones from long before he was born, he really likes those too. And he's even started kind of singing along with the songs and everything sometimes too. And oh my gosh. of course, he likes to. He thinks he's funny, and he wants to throw in words that don't belong in the song. And his favorite words are well, something that we might not mention on here, but parts <laughs> in his body. <laughs> That's cute. So he's he's working on that comedic timing to be just like Dad. I think maybe, yeah, which I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or not, because I get myself in trouble. (laughs) I might have comedic timing, but I don't know when to stop. Uh, I've crossed the line many times, and it's usually not a good thing. (laughs) Do you think you'll get the little guy involved in the theater? Yeah, if that's something that he wants to do, for sure. And he seems to be very kind of outgoing. Yeah. Um, uh, he hasn't shown too much, like, as far as, like, desire for acting or anything yet, but he loves to dance. He'll jump up and dance on the couch, he'll, anywhere. He, I've caught him dancing in the cereal aisle at the grocery store before, so. It's my kind of dude. It's nothing like yeah. a good, uh, grocery store dance. But again, he, like Dad, you know, he takes it too far, and, <laughs> you know, he goes from dancing and just messing around and having fun to, why is that five-year-old twerking? <laughs> Now, that is something that I would like to see. Well, maybe I'd be, like, I'm kind of torn about the idea, like, I want to, but I don't want to, you know? So, how does your wife factor in on all this? Is she she a goofball, too, or is she kind of the one that reigns you two together? Uh, Yeah, she's kind of the one that reigns it in a little bit. Like, she likes to have fun as much as the next person, but... uh... She's. I think maybe she just has more restraint. I think, and that's probably for the best. I mean, one of us has to have some restraint. After this many years, it's not going to be me. <laughs> um, so then I have to. I have to say, I think you're wearing a Fox on the Fairway shirt. I am. You're representing. Do you guys? You guys yeah. got golf shirts. That was clever. We did. Yeah, we got the. Oh, names you got your on, name on the side. <laughs> that's fantastic. Either the character name or uh, like. The, all the crew people that got one, they just got their own name on there. That's fantastic. I love mm-hmm. that. Uh, and you, I see you've got posters behind you? Yeah, I didn't know what to do here. It was just kind of... I figured it was just an audio podcast, but I mean, we're doing this. Might as well do it right. Yeah, let's see. I, I mean, see that's got Beauty and the Beast, the, the poster, and, the and a, a ticket? A ticket, yeah. Very nice, very nice. That's because we... I have season tickets, so that was the one that's from, even though it wasn't me that got to use it, that's my seat. <laughs> I think I think that one was my sister that got to use that one, and then, you know, we got to oh, ticket Evil as Dead well. there. Well done, well done. And same thing with the ticket. And I haven't framed my Fox and the Fairway one yet, but there it is. Oh, you got it signed by everybody? That, that one's, uh, yeah, we uh, we all signed it. 
because it was such a nice, a nice small cast and crew that it was easy. Beautiful. We just threw them all out there. And we all signed it. Awesome. So are you gonna? Do you have like a wall at home that you put all of your your stuff on your theater stuff? I, I do. Yeah, these were actually up on the wall, um, but we just recently redid our whole main floor and painted the walls and did the floors and everything. Mm -hmm. Just haven't gotten around to getting them back up yet. And it's been like six months, but you know, that's just because I'm lazy. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down. Like, what an interesting thing to say about yourself, that you're a perfectionist, but also a procrastinator. Like, how does that <laughs> even work? If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. And if I can't do it right, I'll put it off till later. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Okay, can you say that again? If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. And if I can't do it right, then I'm going to put it off till later. Did I get that right? That was perfect, yeah. Okay, that was like kind of like... I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a saying I say all the time, so I just came up with it there. So, But it sounded almost like it, what it I said. It was pretty good. I So what, um, Evil Dead, uh, what were you doing with, uh, with Evil Dead? I was in the show. Me and Steve Smith were the two shemps in the show. Okay. Which, in, in the Evil Dead world, I'm not sure if you know. I mean, I only learned it by being in the show. It's kind of like the smaller roles off to the side and kind of just doing whatever needs to be done. So, in that show, I was uh, an evil tree. I was a deadite demon. I was the headless corpse, <laughs> um, which I don't know if you've seen the show or not, but uh, the the headless corpse part is just hilarious because you got a tiny little girl playing the role I'll see and this is my memory too it's horrible um Amanda Walters played the role and she did it brilliantly with that I guess she was sick throughout the run too and still nailed all the songs like I didn't even know she was sick because she was doing such a great job with her songs and wow. everything but I mean she's a tiny little girl with a little frame you know she's about like five foot two and she gets decapitated and then I jump out from the behind the bar and I'm supposed to be that role without the head and I'm like, you know, I'm 5'10", and I'm not a small person by any means. And so, and I was in this amazing costume that uh, uh, Ray Demley had made up. And oh, it was just amazing. We even had, we named the costume. The costume's name was Leopold. And, <laughs> and I'm in this thing and running around on stage. And it's so hot in there. And I felt like I was going to die in that thing every single night. I and uh, Emily Johnson who was in Fox with me, and she was doing costumes and things for Evil Dead, she made me an ice pack vest to go underneath the the headless corpse costume. Because I had to put that thing on, crawl underneath the bar from backstage, and just wait there until the right time to come up. Oh my and I'm sitting there, and I'm just breathing heavily and sweating. And then once I got out from behind the bar, I had to run around back and forth three or four times, and then get shot and then wait around on stage until the blackout happened. Then I could get up and go backstage and have it taken off. And all in all, I think I was probably in that thing for about 10 or 15 minutes a night. And it got to the point where, like, I literally thought I was going to die. Like, my heart was pounding so hard the one night on the stage where it was like, well, at least it'll be worth it. We'll put on a good show. <laughs> yeah, like, talk about authenticity. Like, the, the headless corpse actually dies. That'd be a little little too on the nose. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's that's crazy though, that and it, that show sound like from anybody that I've talked to about it, it sounded like everybody had such a great time though that it was just a bunch of crazy people making a really wacky beloved show. So I can imagine what other types of stuff were you doing in that show? Yeah, like I was the the voice of the the opening monologue voice. Okay, uh, like me and Steve. 
uh, there was things that I did for every show and things that Steve did for every show. And then there were other things where we would trade off each night. Oh. So it was kind of weird. So like one night I was the opening, like the Dr. Nobi voice. I would do that one night and Steve would be the, uh, he would be the moose, like the, the sing moose that uh, comes to life and sings a song to Ash saying, join us. And, uh, but then the next night, you know, he'd be the opening monologue voice and the, and the dead daddy ghost in the window. And then I'd be the moose singing up on behind the stage. It was, and that was the most amazing set I think I've ever seen in any show. And like, and I'm, I'm not a, I don't have a big knowledge base of all these like, stage musicals and shows like i enjoy going to see them but like i listen to people talk about the stuff and they know all the shows they know all the songs and my knowledge is limited to the things i've seen in sarnia and maybe the four shows i've seen like in toronto and dayton ohio but like of every show i've seen i think that evil dead set was the most genius thing of anything i've ever seen and that's including the big budget ones and just incredible how they pulled off i think that was like uh, i think it was norm Norm Frank, who are uh, the, one of the major driving forces behind that and the genius mind behind making all that work. Like, the, the set itself looked amazing, but then in practice, too, all the moving parts on it when the cabin just comes to life, it's like, I can't imagine anything better than that. And there was a lot of pressure, I would think, with that show as well, because it is such a cult favorite uh, that you wouldn't want to mess it up. You'd want to be as, as close to brand as you can, but also putting on your own little spin of everything mm-hmm. I, I think it's super fun though that you got to trade off on stuff and kind of play around with those what did you call them Ch- chip chimp shemp shemp yeah rolls because i don't think that that is super common either that you would usually you get what you get and you got to do those lines and did you did you have like a set way to, that you did it when it was your night or did you kind of play around with those voices and stuff as well no i always try to do it the same way every night I don't. I like to play around with things before, but then when it comes to showtime, I don't want to play around with it too much because I don't want to be the one that screws it up and ruins it for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my biggest fear all the time. Like you know, I'm not too worried about forgetting my lines, although I am reviewing my script in the wings every time before I come up, like every scene before I come on the stage, just to make sure I'm not too too worried about that. But I am worried about for being the one that screws things up and it's like just kind of ruins either the entire show or that part of the show. It's just, you know, that's one of my biggest fears. I think every actor goes through that at some point. And the, and the concern about, like you say, ruining the, either one little piece or the whole experience. Because it's the actors and the people who put the set together and all that stuff, but the audience as well. So, yeah, we all put a lot of pressure on ourselves, for sure. So Especially with Evil too, like with Trevor, the Trevor Morris, the director. I knew that that was like a passion project for him for a long time. It was something that he had wanted to do for the longest time, and finally he was going to get his chance to do it. And uh, I was just so happy that he chose me to be a part of that because I, like, he had talked about, like, even in Beauty and the Beast, I think he had mentioned about it and mm. talked about it. And finally, when he got his opportunity to do it, he allowed me to be part of that small group that got to put it on, and you know, wouldn't want to you know mess it up for him either because I knew how important it was to him and how much he was looking forward to and i wanted us to do a great job for him yeah when someone is so passionate about something right you want to honor Mm -hmm. what they're what they're after did he have kind of a set idea of how the show was gonna go and outlined all of that to you guys or was there a little more freedom or how did that work for my part in it i believe it was all like very 
kind of set forth and he gave us very specific direction and stuff as far as like you know the different voices and things that would be used like i remember very early on in the proceedings he pulled me and steve aside and he wanted to hear our moose voices he's like because it had to be like a very specific not specific but he wanted to hear what we had come up with mm-hmm. yeah so he steve did his and i did mine and the look of joy on trevor's face when we both came up with something that was going to work so well uh, it was one of the mo- one of my more memorable moments in theaters in like in the theater experiences that i've had is just the look on his face when he heard our moose voices for the first time and he was like, oh, my God, it's this that's perfect. It's going to come together so wonderfully. And all my moose voice was fashioned after Joey Gladstone on Full House doing Bullwinkle. I mean, there was that aspect <laughs> of it with a, <laughs> with a little tinge of evil to it, I guess. Too funny. And then I could see, especially if this was a passion project, that he would have that all lined up in his mind. I, I think I would. Um, mm-hmm. So then it, in that moment, it would be super gratifying to know that you know, this person who has put so much thought into every little detail was happy with what you guys picked, especially two different people picked, you know, different voices. And he was, he was, I, I think I would have been delighted with that as well. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> so in, in creating a character, learning lines in general, do you have a process for yourself? Nothing specific. No, just kind of, uh, reading it over and over and over again as much as I can. And that's part of my procrastinator in me, too. I don't, like, honestly, I feel like I'm lazy when it comes to that, and I could definitely have done more. During the run of Fox, I flubbed one line, but I don't think it was a forgetting thing. It was something I was just really excited about doing one night, and I think it was our dress rehearsal the day before opening night. Um, Norm comes to me, and he's like, you know, okay, we're going to change something here. You're going to break the fourth wall, and you're going to look out to the audience, you're going to do this. I was, like, just kind of all excited. And, like, I didn't have to say anything out there. It was just kind of, like, a motion out to the... But then, when the time for the show came, it was, like, a back and forth between me and, uh, like, between Dickie and Pamela. And then the moment came, and, I, you know, I look out to the audience, I do my little thing I had to do, completely forgot that there was a line right after <laughs> that. And, was like, until, and then I'm, like, sitting there, like, oh, crap. Wait, wait a minute. I'm supposed to say something here, and nothing, but then... Rhonda Ross, who was playing Pamela, just like a pro, she just kind of picked up on it and kind of delivered half of my line and let me kind of run with the the last part of it there. And the only people who probably noticed are me and Rhonda and Norm. Yep. Uh, like everyone, everyone who's been involved in the audience didn't like it. It kind of just ran seamlessly through there. And if they weren't involved in the show and had seen it a thousand times already before in the rehearsal studio, they would have never even known that there was a problem. Uh, Rhonda just saved my butt that time, so it was great. It's a vulnerable <laughs> place to be in, and it could literally happen to anybody that's on the stage. So, um, And you're kind of always a little bit prepared for that to happen by accident, right? Like, you know, you're kind of learning your own lines, but you're also aware of the lines around yours. Uh, at least that that's what I would do uh, in terms of like, because I never wanted to miss a cue or if something happened, I wanted to be able to help the other actor. Because like I say, it could have been, could been anybody up there. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's true that, you know, if we take care of each other on the stage, nobody ever knows any, any better other than the people who are involved in that moment. The audience certainly never does. And in, in terms of your character for Fox, did it just come along organically or was there something you were modeling him after or 
it, I think it just kind of yeah, just kind of built itself up, and I, I feel <laughs> it almost just kind of modeled them after myself, but kind of like to the extremes because I'm kind of you know I try to pretend like I'm that arrogant guy, and you know I'm just I feel like the role of Dickie he was pretending to be more arrogant than he was, and you know he's cheating on his wife and sleeping with all these women, but I think he was still doing that just as a way to he didn't think great of himself so he was using that as a way to like make himself feel better and like kind of build himself up in his own mind and so i was just kind of like thinking of it like that even though he was coming off as you know very confident it was more and arrogant it was more like he didn't believe it himself but he was just putting on a big show to try and make other people believe it and he was just more of instead of being confident and arrogant he was just kind of a well dick (laughs) (laughs) i love that though it sounds like you really did put a lot of of thought into it and how and all of that did come across for sure so so what do you think will be next for you now that theater is back up and running and Uh, it's hard to say really with this being my third show it was uh i was kind of the way it was working out was you know i did beauty and the beast in 2016 I did Evil Dead in 2018. I did Fox on the Fairway, which was supposed to happen in 2020. And that was kind of a good pace for me, like one every couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of, I just wait and see what the shows are and what's going to interest me and what I want to do. That's just the way it worked out. Like when I saw that there was a show coming up that was being directed by Norm Francoeur, who I had worked with, thought like he was in Beauty and the Beast in the cast with me, and then he was involved behind the scenes on Evil Dead. You know, it's the Frankwer family. They're just everywhere around, and they're just great people. I see Norm directing a show, and it's a comedy, and it's about golf. I'm in. Like, that one was a no-brainer for me. So, And that was my first real audition process, too. Like, it was my third show, but I had never actually gone through just the regular audition process. Because I told you the story about uh, how I got bullied into <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Um, that even with Evil Dead, though, Trevor had told me, we just ran into him, and he had told me that Evil Dead was finally going to happen. And uh, he said, you know, he'd like it if I would come out and audition for the role of Jake, and he thought that might be a good fit for me. I couldn't come to the auditions because of my job. Like, there, there was Friday night and Saturday afternoon auditions, and for whatever reason, I couldn't make it either one. And so I let him know, and he just said, well, just come out the callback day Sunday afternoon. Can you make it to that? I was like, yeah, I can make it to that. So he's like, come to that. So I just showed up on callback day with all the other people that had already auditioned and then just went through the motions that everyone else was going through that day and just kind of ended up getting the role of Shemp, and they offered it to me. And I was like, okay, that's great, yeah. So I was really looking forward to that. But then when Fox came up, it was, you know, the regular role audition process and which scared me to death because i had never done it before and so i didn't know what to expect i didn't know how you know walk in the studio way with a great big crowd of people just sitting around waiting what's going to happen and just yeah waiting your turn until they call you to go back and read so it was very nerve-wracking and i've kind of thought about like the first two shows well i'm glad the first two worked out the way that they did because i don't know if i could have done the regular process for the first time, at least having done a couple of shows, gotten it under my belt, I knew if the auditions worked out, I knew what I was getting into. I knew 
what to expect, but this was just kind of, thir for the third show and the audition process to be a whole new thing for me, it was kind of a strange thing when I was thinking about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. and I, at first I was kind of thinking, like, your audition with Frank sounded like it would be more stressful, but I guess it was just you and Frank, and, you know, he, he's a very warm man, and you knew him from high school. So yeah, the interview, or interview, pardon me, the uh, audition process can be extremely scary. Because like you said, there's a room full of people, and they're all just hanging out. And so you're sitting there, like, marinating in your nerves, just waiting for your chance to go back. So yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that <laughs> making it a little bit easier, having had those, those other two experiences. So you, do you and your wife, you frequently go to the theater then for just to go and watch? Oh yeah. We've been season ticket holders since, uh, well, for probably about six or seven years now, maybe more. And it's just a great, you know, that's just a great way to be entertained. We just love, you know, you can go to the movies, uh, you know, you can go out for dinner, but there's something special about sitting there in the theater and actual real life people coming out and performing for you on the stage and you know anything can happen well you know that mm -hmm. you're, you you go watch the avengers at cineplex that same exact you know 150 minutes mm -hmm. is going to be replayed for the same exact thing but you never know when that something special is going to happen on the live stage and uh, you know and you know, we after being involved in the theater now no it's like you get a chance to go out and run into some friends that you haven't seen for a while and it just you know there's just nothing better. So then sitting in the audience, was it kind of like, I could do that. Maybe I could do that. Is that what prompted you to start looking or start following the theater and looking at those audition opportunities? That was probably, I guess that might've been part of it. Yeah. Like it was always in the back of my mind, like even back as a kid, I, I mean, I didn't go to theater shows very often. Like I didn't know too much about it, but I was always something like, wouldn't mind getting up and trying performing in one way or another, whether it be music or whether it be, you know, in a theater production. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was nothing that I really, it was always in the back of my mind, but never had I seriously thought about it until... Ruth dragged you, kicking and screaming. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, we're already getting close to the hour mark, and I don't want to get launched into something and then have to interrupt you, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I usually try to give people an opportunity close to the end of the interviews to talk about anything at all. If there's uh, something that you want to bring awareness to or plug or really any anything at all. It doesn't have to be theater related. No pressure. Not, not really. No, just just very happy that the world seems to be like it's slowly getting back to normal. I, I guess, you know, if I'm going to be on my soapbox for a minute, I would just be like, just stop being extreme like it's okay to you know you have your views on things it's okay to follow along with however you want you know you want to live your life and everything but it's these extreme people and there's extreme people on both sides but now that things are starting to slow down they've dropped the mask mandate people are still scared people are still trying to keep themselves safe and mm -hmm. it, and and i've seen it out there in the world now like people that are still wearing masks and people giving them a hard time about it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, they dry, you know, take that mask off. You don't need that anymore. They're not making, it's like, let people live their lives. Mm -hmm. Let people be happy. And if that's what makes them feel comfortable and safe, let them do it. Mm -hmm. It's not hurting. And now it's to the point now, everyone has the choice that you guys were, that everyone 
was begging for six months ago. We don't have the choice. Well, we have the choice now. Let people, you know, exercise those choices however they see fit. I guess that's about it. <laughs> and just be kind. I think that's that's what I'm hearing oh, from you. Oh, for sure. Just, uh, mm-hmm. just let people be and be kind to them in yep. the process. I think that's a wonderful exactly. message. Thank you very, very much for spending some time with me. And uh, I asked you very abruptly and, um, like, didn't give you a lot of time to book this interview. So uh, <laughs> thank you for being a good sport and, and working with me on that. Um, I just really wanted to get you in before, you know, you'd lost that that glow of being on the stage. <laughs> so So thank you for being a good sport on that and working with me. Um, yeah, I'm really grateful. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Like, I was very, very surprised to to get the invites. I just don't see myself, you know, as someone who people care to hear from at all. So. Absolutely. You're starting and famous <laughs> now, friend. So. Well, thank you. <laughs> okay, well, you enjoy your evening, and uh, maybe we'll work together on a show, hopefully sometime soon. That fun. would be nice, or even even meet in person. Yeah, at some oh yeah, point. I guess I didn't even. I'm sorry, I didn't like just launched in all business. No, didn't no, no. even like. Hi, I'm Dallas. Nice to meet uh, you. Because we haven't met before. Um, no. Sorry about that, but. Uh... No. <laughs> I've, I've been listening to the. I've been listening to so many of the podcasts over Thank the last you. week or so. That, you know, you're you're just like second nature now your your voice and your man <laughs> all very f- familiar to me already so oh good um I, so you're making me blush and now the verbal diarrhea is really going to start um i'm always so <laughs> floored when people say they're listening to the show because as far as i see it i'm just like in my office at home like chatting with people i can't believe that people are actually listening to it so so thank you for listening <laughs> i appreciate it well it's it's a great thing especially for you know when it's all to do with, you know, people I know and, you know, even if I don't know them, it's to do with shows that I've yeah. been to or even the city that, you know, born and raised and been here all my life. So it's just, that's why I'm not a big podcast person for the most part because we're talking about stuff I don't care about. The mm-hmm. stuff you're talking about is something that I do care about and is very near and dear to my heart and always has been, so. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go on now. Have a nice evening. Okay. Thank you so much, you too, Dallas. This was great. Thank you again. Thanks. Bye. Okay, kids, that's all for this week. Next week's guest is total goofball and hopeless romantic Jeff Mantha. See you then.